What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, on Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It's a Thursday. We're going to be going over all the good stuff, as usual. Starts, sits. I actually am going to recap the two games from Monday. We got our Thrifty Thursday trick, situations to monitor, survivor picks, defensive streamers. You guys know how it is. We're going to get into that. But I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for tuning into this episode. As you guys know, Last episode did not I was not able to come through with it because of technical difficulties and all that stuff. Hopefully everything's going to work just perfectly fine and nice and smooth today. That's what we're hoping for. That's what we're going for. But with all that said, I mean, I guess there's nothing left but to get started. And tonight is a good game, at least in my eyes, because you guys know I'm rooting for my bucks to pull out this win versus the Bears. And don't forget the Thrifty Thursday trick. If you have a kicker or a defense or somebody low on the totem pole on your bench that, you know, is replaceable, drop them and pick up one of these four guys that play in tonight's game and can benefit from either a, you know, super good performance or a injury. And that's Kashawn Vaughn, Anthony Miller, Cameron Brait, and Tyler Johnson. As we know, the Bucks have been dealing, unfortunately, with injuries all throughout their receiving core. As of time of recording, none of the starting four wide receivers for the Buccaneers have practiced. And I'm assuming that they're just doing that because they want them to be healthy and it's a short week playing on Thursday instead of Sunday. They don't want to make them practice and possibly, you know, make themselves worse. They just want to let them recover. So that's what I'm hoping for. Chris Godwin's definitely not going to be playing, but Mike Evans might play. Scotty Miller might play. Justin Watson might play. I'm assuming Scotty and Watson will. But Mike Evans, I'm not really confident in yet. So hopefully he comes through. But if not, Tyler Johnson, especially if more than just Mike Evans and Godwin miss this game, Tyler Johnson could have a really big game. And depending on how extensive these injuries are to the Bucks receiving core, or if another person sustains an injury in this game, Tyler Johnson could be a pretty nifty pickup. And you got him for free instead of, you know, watching him do great and then having to wait. Same thing with Cameron Brait with all these receiver injuries and OJ Howard now out for the season. Cameron Brait is not that good of a blocker, so expect Gronk to be blocking even more than he has been, and Cameron Brait being the one who goes out and runs a lot of routes for Tom Brady. He's going to be the main receiving tight end in this offense now. So Cameron Brait's another good pickup, and then Kashawn Vaughn, if either he has an amazing performance or if Rojo gets hurt. If one of those two things happen, he could become the RB1 for the Bucks. and then Anthony Miller, same thing. If Allen Robinson goes, Allen Robinson goes down, he could be the wide receiver one, so that's what we got. For the Thrifty Thursday trick, pick up any of those guys. And my prediction for this game is that the Bucks win 2013. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I'm excited to watch because we got two 3 and one teams facing off against each other. And it's just fun to watch Tom Brady, especially in a different uniform. It's crazy, especially because he's in my uniform. So, you know, got to love it there. But I think the Bucks are going to scrape and claw this one out. They're going to score two touchdowns, two field goals, and the Bears are going to get a garbage time touchdown, but the Bucks defense is going to hold them down most of the game to two field goals. That's how I think it shakes out 2013. 
Now let's get into the Monday game recaps. We got two of them. We had a doubleheader, which was pretty cool. Let's start with the Chiefs-Patriots game. So honestly, there's not much to take on the Patriots side, fantasy football-wise, because they did not have Cam Newton. If they had Cam Newton, then we could learn more things about the offense that we're usually going to see. But because they didn't, anything that happened in this game, for the most part, is you know we can kind of just forget about it because that's not the offense that we're going to see moving forward. But I will say that Damian Harris, was this was his first game back, so one thing you can take away is just how he looked. And he looked good. He did. And he's probably going to be the number one running back moving forward for that team. The thing is, is when Cam Newton comes back, is he really going to you know, have reliable value? He might have a good game here and there, but he, he could be really bad. I did just pick him up in a league, just stashed him at the end of my bench. But I'm not really interested in any of the running backs there, except for James White in PPR leagues once Cam is back, and he's probably back this week. But it's interesting to monitor, because I could be wrong. And maybe Damian Harris is still getting 15, 16 touches and, you know, can get a touchdown every once in a while. So we'll see We'll see there, but that's what I got on Damian Harris. And then Nikhil Harry, he didn't look like the 50-50 ball monster that I remember watching in college. I remember watching him and being like, dude, you just throw the ball up to this guy, and he dominates. And he didn't really look like that guy last night or not last night it's actually Wednesday so that I'm recording this so two nights ago he didn't really look like that guy and it's a bit concerning it is but you know other than that I don't know there's not too much to take from this offense I mean it was just Damian Harris looks good Nikhil Harry doesn't look as good as we all hoped he did then we have the Chiefs side of the ball pretty much the same thing the Chiefs are consistent they're always good they're always the best team in the league it seems like the last two years and the only thing I could take out of this is that Clyde might be a, a decent buy low. The touchdowns will come for Clyde. He's only got one so far, and he's been a very, very high floor running back for fantasy football, and it's because of his receiving. He's got 14 catches in the last three games. This dude is going to be a locked-in RB1. He's a, probably a locked-in, especially with all the injuries, a locked-in top eight running back with potential if they just start going to him in terms of like scoring, and he ends up pulling in a lot of touchdowns, he has potential to be top four, you know, because Alvin Kamara and Zeke are already locked in there. Aaron Jones is probably in there. So really, it's going to be like a battle for that fourth spot. And I think Clyde has a very good case to make to become that RB4 in the season. Now we have the Packers Falcons. Todd Gurley stumbled once again. This is the second time I'm saying this. Todd Gurley stumbled into two touchdowns. He looks horrible and the Falcons don't even throw him the ball and their run game is bad so what does that mean Todd Gurley looks bad he doesn't get receptions he's in a offensive scheme that is not tailored to the running back and they don't have a good run game that means and he scored two touchdowns that means you need to sell high Todd Gurley right now somebody might be like okay you know he, he's basically a back-end RB1 no he's not no he is not sell 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 Matt Ryan sucks that's the, the that's the other t- takeaway and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bucks fan usually if anything I'll give more credit to the guys in my division because it makes it easier to you know stomach if my team loses to them but here's the thing Matt Ryan at least at least this week sucked Calvin Ridley had five targets zero catches on the day Calvin Ridley should have had 150 yards and two touchdowns easily Let me elaborate for you. First play of the game, Calvin Ridley hits the corner with a dirty stop and go on the sideline. 
he's open by at least five yards. At least five yards. There's no safety to catch him. Okay, there's there's no safety on his side of the field. All Matt Ryan has to do is hit him in stride, and that's first play of the game, 75-yard touchdown. He overthrows Calvin Ridley, like by a lot. That's the first one. Then later in the in the game, Calvin Ridley has another dirty move on a corner, gets about three yards of separation, going, I would say, probably 35 yards downfield. If he gets hit in stride by Matt Ryan, one of two things happens. He either catches it and gets caught, or he catches it and takes that to the house and, you know, just continues to pull away from the corner. Once again, Matt Ryan misses him. That's two blown already. And then later in the game, Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley is open in the end zone, in the back of the end zone. And Matt Ryan sees him. It's not like Matt Ryan didn't even see him. Matt Ryan sees him, throws it to him, completely off. So Calvin Ridley could have had a huge day, even if it was off only two, three catches. A huge, huge day. And Matt Ryan just blew it for him. Julio is re-injured. And I'm super, super worried about him for the rest of the season. This could be, or is this, I should say, is this the beginning of the end for Julio Jones? Or am I overreacting? You know, we... We, we can't really tell yet, but from what I'm seeing so far, he's always been somebody that's dealt with injuries. He's just always been strong enough and tough enough to play through them. And, you know, he's always been somebody who's really good, even at 80%. All of a sudden, he's not able to do that. And this is his second time hurting this, the same hammy this season. And those do not go away. Hamstring injuries are one of the worst injuries in terms of they linger. They linger. Even when you're like fully recovered, it's so much easier for it to get hurt again. Julio Jones is dealing with that problem, and it's very worrying for this season, and possibly because of his age and how good Calvin Ridley's doing, and yada, yada, yada. Julio Jones, this could be the beginning of the end for him. So, you know, if you have him, and you're not trying to win right now, I would sell him, especially in Dynasty League. Sell him to a contender, see if you can get like a first and a second, or whatnot. Aaron Jones, on the other side of the ball, is a locked-in RB1. Locked in. In. He's basically Alvin Kamara. Aaron Rodgers, on the other hand, is a sell high, atrocious, atrocious upcoming schedule for the Packers, especially for Aaron Rodgers. Now, I do think he, he's definitely better than what I thought he was going to be this season. That whole motivation narrative has clearly played a role. That, along with the fact that this offense is making defenses overthink everything, and people are just boom, open, 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 open. Robert Tanyan's first touchdown. There's nobody anywhere near him. Aaron Rodgers even shrugs off like, where are you guys at? You know, he's shrugging. He's like, this is too easy. And it it has been too easy, but they haven't really faced any good defenses yet. And that's going to change. And yes, Devontae Adams will be back. Yes, Alan Lazard will be back. I think all these guys are going to help Aaron Rodgers. But I will say that if you're getting, you know, top six value for Aaron Rodgers in a trade, I would sell him. See if you can get a back end. Well, not even back end anymore because all the injuries. See if you can just get an RB2. See if you can get a wide receiver like DJ Moore, who I think is a really good buy low right now. He's about to go off versus the Falcons most likely. Um, I don't know how he's going to do after that the rest of the season. We're going to have to see how the targets shake out between him and Robbie Anderson. But I know at least for this week, he's a good play. You know, stuff like that. Just you always want to be looking, see what moves you can make. Never get content with your team. Not saying that there's anything wrong with not making trades. You know, if you have a great team, sometimes it's better to just sit on it. But you always want to at least contemplate the idea of 
you know, making a trade and bettering your squad in that way. And then lastly, Robert Tanyan, he went crazy, six targets, six receptions, almost 100 yards, three touchdowns. That's three good weeks in a row. But obviously, it's going to decline when Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard return. So while they're out, he's a great guy to have on your roster, but I wouldn't expect anything from him once those guys get back. Now let's move into starts and DFS plays. I'm going to start with a tournament long shot. Make sure you're listening because I'm not saying to start him in your regular leagues. I'm saying if you're in a tournament, you want to find people of low ownership that have a chance to explode. This is a guy that I might pivot to this week, and that's J.K. Dobbins. The Ravens are playing the Bengals. They're probably going to be up quickly, early, and run the ball out. And J.K. Dobbins could easily have a 11-carry or 10-carry game for like 75 yards and two touchdowns. I would not be surprised. So J.K. Dobbins is a great tournament long shot, especially because of how bad he's been. He's probably not, and not because of you know his talent, lack of talent or anything, just because between him, Ingram, and Edwards, he's not getting enough touches which was very easily predictable to me. Like, that's why I stayed away from the Ravens running backs all offseason and, you know, hinted at, or not hinted, but advised you guys to do so as well. But, you know, in a one-game sample or in a one-game opportunity, J.K. Dobbins could go off. So I don't like him for the season or anything by any means, but this is a perfect matchup. They might just hand it off to Dobbins and say, you know, carry us to the win once we're up by two touchdowns in the first quarter. So, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. Then Devin Singletary, he's a start everywhere and in DFS. He's playing the Titans. You guys have heard me say so many times how bad the Titans have been against the runs so far. Devin Singletary is still the only guy there. Zach Moss is not healthy yet. So Singletary should go nuts versus the Titans. I really like that play. Kenyon Drake. This is <laughs> this is only if you're feeling risky. If you're feeling risky, Kenyon Drake versus the New York Jets could be a good play, especially because he's probably going to be somebody as well with low ownership. So like the only other thing I could mention is that last year, Cliff Kingsbury kind of changed the offense around this time of the season and coming off two ugly losses to the Lions and to the Panthers, not really great teams if you look at either of them on paper, coming off two ugly losses and being uh, you know four weeks into the season, Kingsbury might be looking to switch things up a little bit. And if he realizes he should probably start throwing to Kenyon Drake again, then Kenyon Drake could be really good. So, look, I'm done saying he's a buy low for, for the regular season because I don't want to steer you guys wrong. I know it's a super risky thing to buy him low right now. I have him in a couple leagues, um, not from buying low because I drafted him, and I'm just holding and praying. That's basically what I'm doing. Gardner Minshew versus the Texans is another good start, same as Deshaun Watson versus the Jaguars. I think both these quarterbacks in this game are going to basically have to carry their team to victory, and they're going to be trading blows back and forth. I also love the Jaguars receivers in this matchup versus the Texans. Now, Will Fuller, he's going to be a good play, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit worried about C.J. Henderson because C.J. Henderson, I feel like he's starting to come on a little bit, and you know, if he sticks Fuller, Fuller might have like a you know more pedestrian game. So I don't think he's really a slam in DFS. He always has that potential, but I, I don't think it's as likely this week as everyone else thinks it is. So, you know, that's why I didn't really mention Will Fuller here. But I like the Jags receivers, mainly LaVisca and DJ Chark. The Panthers wide receivers versus the Falcons and Mike Davis as well versus the Falcons because they use him a lot as a receiver, or at least they throw to him a lot. Mike Davis and the Panthers receivers, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson are all smashes this week. You want a piece of that offense 
versus this Falcons defense. And honestly, you want the Falcons too. It's just going to be harder to pick and choose the Falcons because of all the injuries they're dealing with. So I can't really, you know, focus in on one or, or two guys to say that's who you want to start on that side of the ball. Then lastly, for my starts this week, the Cowboys-Giants game. The Cowboys always hit the over. The Cowboys have the second best offense, but are one in three because their defense lets up more points than their offense can score, um, which is ridiculous. I don't think that happens this week. I think the Cowboys are definitely going to win and beat the Giants, which we will get to later. But the Giants wide receivers are smashes to me. Darius Slate and Golden Tate especially. See, if this was the regular Giants offense with everyone healthy, Saquon Barkley was healthy, Sterling Shepard was healthy, then I would be like, okay, I don't really know who's going to have the good game. Or, you know, maybe two of the four have a good game. I'm not really sure. Uh, I don't want to try and pick out, you know, who's going to have a good good game. But with Saquon Barkley gone and Sterling Shepard gone, there's not many options. It's Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram. That's pretty much it. So they all might have good games, especially I'm looking at Golden Tate and Darius Slayton in DFS. Now let's move to some sits, people you probably don't want in your lineups this week or to at least avoid in DFS because they're probably not going to have the best game, but you still have to start them. David Montgomery versus the Bucks, definite sit. You saw how bad the Chargers running backs were versus the Bucks. You saw how bad Melvin Gordon was versus the Bucks. Christian McCaffrey was good, but that's Christian McCaffrey. Alvin Kamara was actually really bad in the rushing category. He was only good versus the Bucks week one off receiving. So David Montgomery is... Oh, especially, by the way, like if I'm building a narrative, especially the fact that the entire offensive like supporting cast for Tom Brady is just ravaged with injury. The Bucks defense is going to come into this game knowing that the game is on them. Like if they let up, if the Bucks lose to the Bears, it's on the defense. I don't care if the offense scores six points. This Bears defense or this Bears offense is so bad that the Bucks defense needs to completely shut them down. And I think the defense knows that. I'm sure Todd Bowles has been preaching that, especially on a short week with so many of the Bucks receivers injured and Leonard Fournette's injured and LaShawn McCoy's injured. So many players are injured that the defense is just going to know that they need to come into this game. They need to shut down the Bears, which the Colts were able to do. And I don't really think the Colts defense is better than the Bucks defense. The Colts were able to do it except for a garbage time touchdown at the end of the game. I think we're going to see a similar type of thing happen here. It's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game. And David Montgomery, you want no part in him because he's him and Allen Robinson are going to be the entire defensive focus in this game. So I don't think David Montgomery is going to be able to do anything. James Conner versus the Eagles. Obviously, you're starting him in your regular leagues unless you're just loaded at running back. But when it comes to DFS, I'm avoiding him. The Eagles have actually a pretty good run defense. And I think the Steelers are just going to have to throw the ball a little bit more this week than usual. The Rams running backs, and not because like the Eagles are going to be up on them, just because it fits, you know, you get, you take what the defense gives you. And I think the Eagles defense is going to be giving them much more passing opportunities than running opportunities. The Rams running backs versus Washington, Malcolm Brown, Darrell Henderson, definitely sit them. Not only because the Washington D-line, but because the Rams running backs are just (laughs) super unpredictable. And then Devontae Parker versus the 49ers sit him. If you have to play him in your regular lineups, I don't hate it, but definitely avoid him in DFS. And I'm sitting him in my regular lineups, but that's because, you know, I have so much Tyler Boyd and Calvin Ridley and like Tyler Lockett. Like I have so many of those other receivers that I got after like round four or round three that I really like. So Devontae Parker's not really somebody I need to be starting anywhere. So that's why I'm sitting him. But if he's one of your best guys and you have to play him, it's not horrible. 
And also, I wanted to mention, in this game, something I just found interesting, 49ers versus Dolphins. It's almost to a time. I, I just feel it. Like, the vibe has been sent out. The way Fitzpatrick was talking, saying, you know, he knows what his role is and how he, he goes game to game, his job security is game to game. Every, just everything he was saying, it was like, hmm, sounds like two is going to be here soon. And I don't think Fitz is going to do great versus the Niners. And that's the perfect time for them to bring in Tua after the Niners game. So when I say it's almost Tua time, Tua's either going to start like towards the end of the game this week, or not start, but get brought in. Or I think next week he will be starting versus the 49ers. Or I mean not versus the 49ers, versus uh, their next week matchup after this 49ers game because maybe the the coaching staff just doesn't want to throw him in versus a, a very good defense. Then we have Melvin Gordon versus the Patriots. He's a sit for me for sure. The Patriots always lock down and take away your best offensive options. And the Broncos, one, don't have a good offense right now. Two, only have two offensive threats, really. And that's Jerry, Judy, and Melvin Gordon. I actually don't know the status on Noah Fant and if he plans on playing. I'm pretty sure he's out. But even if he plays, I mean, Melvin Gordon is going to be their number one priority, I'm sure. So Melvin Gordon, definitely sit him. That's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game. Dalvin Cook versus the Seahawks. I'm avoiding him in DFS. The Seahawks have a very good run defense, very bad pass defense. The Vikings, if they want any chance of winning this game, need to get their receiving game going. They need to get Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen firing with Kirk Cousins on all cylinders if they want to win this game. And then lastly, Joshua Kelly. He's stepping in with Alvin Kamara out, or sorry, Austin Eckler out versus the Saints. But the Saints have a good run defense. And Joshua Kelly did not look very good last week. Justin Jefferson or Justin Jackson, geez, I'm messing names up left and right. Justin Jackson might end up being the guy instead of Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly lost a fumble inside the five yard line, which really changed the entire game for the Chargers Bucks game. And you know, it's funny because as I say things to you guys right now during this podcast, I'm like, oh, should I go deeper into this? I'm sure I talked about that on the Tuesday podcast, but clearly we know how that worked out. So This episode might have a little bit more like tidbits from the games from the week that just finished just because I know you guys didn't get to hear them and not all of you probably read my notes from the podcast. So that's just a, you know, small little thing of note. And yeah, Joshua Kelly looked really bad. He averaged less than two yards per carry. I think it was like one point something versus the Bucks. And Justin Jackson is is pretty good. He's always been good in my opinion. And I never really understood this offseason why Joshua Kelly was like locked in as the backup for Eckler especially with Justin Jackson being the one who has the better receiving profile. So that's something to monitor. Now let's talk about my favorite segment. You guys know what it is. You shouldn't, you should know what it is by now. The survivor picks. Cause why we're still alive, baby. We're still alive. I love it. So here's the thing. According to DraftKings, you guys know that's the one I'm playing in. Cause I forgot to set the lineups like an idiot and all the other ones, um, or set my pick and all the other ones. Um, in DraftKings, there's only 7%, a beautiful number right there, 7% of people remaining that started the survivor pool. That means we are in the top 7%, guys. We have already beat 93% of the competition. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. So let's talk about the ones I'm confident in now. And remember, to this point, we have utilized... Let's see, week one, we got the Chargers versus the Bengals. We won that one. Week two was, man, I'm trying to remember. It was the, we used the Chargers, then we used, was it Seattle? 
versus the Patriots. What what week are we in now? We're going into week five. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember. I'm gonna have to pull it up. Um, but yeah, so Browns versus Colts. We'll talk about that game. That is one that you know I, I'm not confident in at all. I just wanted to mention it because I think it's super super weird that the Colts are favored. The Colts are the away team, and they're favored. That's so weird to me. And by the way, I just uh, pulled up who we used. I remember now. So, so far, we got the Chargers out um, out of the way in Week 1 versus the Bengals. Then we got the, the Seattle Seahawks out the way versus the Patriots in Week 2. Then we got the Colts out the way. That's the one I was forgetting. In Week 3 versus the Jets. And then the Rams this week was our pick. And they pulled it out versus the Giants. So those are the four teams we no longer have as an option to pick, which is beautiful because guess what that means? We still have the Chiefs. We still have the Ravens. We still have the Patriots, the Bills, the, we, you know, all those sick teams that you can be really confident in. We haven't used them yet. The 49ers when everyone's back and healthy. So that looks really good. But back to this Colts-Browns matchup. It's just so weird to me that the Colts are favored, especially because they're the away team. The Browns have been rolling. Yes, the Browns and Colts are both three and one, but the Colts, I mean, they have not beaten any good teams. And you might say the same thing about the Browns, but I think the Cowboys are much better than any team the Colts have faced. And the Browns, like people say, oh, the Colts O-line is so good. Here's the thing. The Browns O-line is one of, if not the best run graded offensive line so far in this season by PFF. I'm pretty sure they're number one. Colts are nowhere near that, especially like you just look at plain old stats that you know, the average guy looks at. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have been way more effective than Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has been very, very inefficient. And if their offensive line is so great, then that means you must think Jonathan Taylor sucks. So you have to pick a side here. It's either the Colts offensive line is better than the Browns and Jonathan Taylor sucks, or the Colts offensive line is not as good as we expected, at least in run blocking. And then you look at Baker versus Phillip Rivers. I like Baker much more than Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers is washed. Baker still has a live arm. And yes, they both make interception mistakes, but I would expect more interceptions from Rivers than Baker in a given game. So I I really just, I think this is a Browns win here, but I'm not putting my survivor pick on that. I just want to talk about that because I thought it was super weird. Now let's talk about the two people I am confident in. Only two, only two this week. Maybe three, but it has a condition. So I'll move to the one that has a condition first, and that's the Patriots game, the Patriots versus the Broncos. If Cam Newton is playing, if Cam Newton is playing, I really like the Patriots this week, and if you want to pivot that way for your survivor pick, go for it. But even if Cam Newton is playing, and I'm confident in the Patriots, I'm not going to pick them this week. Why? Because I would rather save them for later in the year and use one of the next two teams that I'm going to get to. And that's the Cardinals, one being one, Cardinals versus the Jets this week. So Kyler Murray versus the Jets defense. How do we think that's going to end up? I'm pretty sure we all think that's going to end up in a lot of points for the Cardinals. Irregardless of how anybody else does, Kyler Murray should be able to take the Cardinals to a win all by himself. All by himself. Now, Sam Darnold might not even be playing in this game, and they might be playing Joe Flacco. You think that you think that's going to be good? You think that's going to be better than Sam Darnold? No, it's trust me, it's not. So, that's an easy easy home run hit for me. Plus the Cardinals coming off two losses, they're going to be trying to figure things out. They're going to be I'm sure pissed off, and I don't see Kyler Murray losing 3 games in a row to 3 bad teams. 
especially when the the one that we're talking about now is the worst team in the league in the Jets. So I don't even think you guys needed me to explain that pick, but in case for some reason you were kind of worried about it, I did. And then the other one I'm looking at taking is the Cowboys versus the Giants. I know last week I said I want to see the Cowboys pummel a bad team I, I to be confident in them. And it's still true, but the Giants are so bad. There's no way. There's no way the Giants defense can hold down the Cowboys offense. And there's no way the Giants offense can keep up with the Cowboys offense. So with all that being said, like unless. OK, here's the thing. If you think the Giants can beat the Cowboys, you better be starting Daniel Jones in all your DFS lineups. That's all I got to say, because that's the only way it happens is if he goes in like crazy, which I don't see happening, especially like to keep up with the Cowboys. That's just ridiculous. So the Cowboys, I think, are definitely winning this game. So to me, it comes down to the Cardinals versus the Jets or the Cowboys versus the Giants. The question here is, which team, if I'm supremely confident in both of these teams winning this week, which team do I want to have as an option to pick later if I need to? And I would rather have the Cowboys later on in the season because I do think they're a better team than the Cardinals. I think once they figure some things out on defense, it's still going to be a bad defense, but there's no way, it's not possible it can be as bad as it is now. So I would rather have the Cowboys later on to pick if I had to choose. So I'm taking the Cardinals this week versus the Jets. You can lock it in. That's my pick. Also, I wanted to say that I looked to next week and next week is rough, guys. Next week is very rough. And there's probably only one or two games that I even feel confident in picking the winner. Not even saying that I feel confident in them as a survivor pick. I just, as as picking them as the winner for the game, I feel confident. So I just want to let you guys know, this is why we saved the Chiefs and the Ravens, because we might be taking and, you know, the other really good teams, because we're going to be using one of those really good teams next week after I I looked ahead and looked at the matchup. You want to go ahead and look at it now so you can get on the same page with me before you listen to next Thursday's podcast. Go for it. But I think I already know where I'm pivoting unless some crazy injuries happen to a team. So Cardinals, lock it in this week versus the Jets. Let's get into the top 5% ladies and gentlemen. Now let's move to the defensive streamers of the week. Buccaneers continue three weeks in a row to be a good defensive streamer this week versus the Bears. For obvious reasons, I already talked about it in the preview of this game. The the defense knows that this game is on them. I don't think the Bears offense has the firepower to do much against this defense. I think, you know, it'll be a low scoring game and the Buccaneers always have the opportunity to cause turnovers. So I like the Buccaneers a lot. The Rams versus Washington, I like them a lot. And the Patriots versus the Broncos, I like them a lot. Whether or not Cam Newton is starting doesn't really matter. Now let's move, lastly, to end the podcast, to the situations to monitor. Number one tonight, what position group do the Bucks turn to with all the wide receiver injuries, especially if Mike Evans ends up being out? Do the Bucks turn more to the tight end? And Cameron Bray has a... a great day and Gronk still gets involved in the receiving game or do they turn to the running backs and Ronald Jones and Kashawn Vaughn are getting a whole bunch of receptions it's gonna it has to be one or the other they're not going to be going to you know wide receivers five six and seven I think they'll go to five being Tyler Johnson but six and seven probably not can Tyler Boyd perform in a tough matchup the Bengals are playing the Ravens this week that's going to be tough they have two good corners between Marcus Peters Marlon Humphrey 
it's very possible that both of those corners line up on T. Higgins and A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd actually ends up like being in a perfect spot where he's like the only person that has a good matchup on the field, and Tyler Boyd has a great day. Or maybe they move in one of those corners on Tyler Boyd. We'll see. I just want to see, Boyd, can you perform in a tough matchup? And by the way, guys, I'm still starting him everywhere in my like you know regular season-long lineups. Then we have, will Joe Mixon continue getting receptions? He did it last week. Let's see. And it, it led to the first Bengals win. Will the Bengals continue to do that? That's very important for Joe Mixon's outlook the rest of the season, especially with a very tough schedule for like the next eight weeks. Bills versus Titans. It's a game that I want to watch. Not really any specific situation I want to monitor here. It's just a 4-0 team versus 3-0 team. And they're actually, you know, somewhat similar uh, in terms of like, you know, their strengths and weaknesses as a team. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. And then will Drake, Kenyon Drake, finally deliver versus the Jets? Will it finally happen either via, you know, offensive play calling changes and they start throwing to him? Or will he just go crazy on the ground, maybe punching a touchdown or two? Will he finally deliver? If not, I mean, at this point, everyone's pretty much given up on him. But, I mean, if he doesn't, uh, it's just so depressing to talk about. If he doesn't turn in a good game this week, it's... It's unexplainable. Like, Kenyon Drake looks good. If you watch him, you can even just type his name in on YouTube right now. See his highlights so far this season or touches by week or whatever you want to search up. YouTube has pretty much everything. Um, He looks good. Kenyon Drake looks good running the ball. He's quick. He's agile. He's got burst. Like, he, he looks good. And he's getting touches in the red zone. He's getting touches inside the 10. He's getting touches inside the 5. The only thing is the receptions, and then for some reason he hasn't been able to finish any touchdowns yet. I think that will, you know, turn to his favor, but really the receptions is the biggest thing to watch. Then we had Carson Wentz. He did good against the 49ers Sunday night. How about the Steelers? Is he going to be able to string together two decent performances versus two good defenses? Then we have the Jaguars-Houston Texans game. Gardner Minshew versus Deshaun Watson. Who is going to carry their bad team better? Who's going to who's gonna just carry their team to a win? Because Minch and Watson, neither of them have great supporting casts. Neither of them have good defenses. It's going to be, and they both have legs. Obviously, Watson has more like ability in that category. But it'll be a fun game to watch. It, at least I, I will find it fun to watch. Some people might think it's going to be an ugly game that they want nothing to do with. But I, I always like finding narratives to pay attention to. And this is the one here. Does Antonio Gibson get more receiving work with Kyle Allen? Dwayne Haskins got benched. Antonio Gibson already started getting more involved in the receiving game with 80 receiving yards off four catches last week. Will he start getting that Christian McCaffrey role that they talked about early on? Kyle Allen was the quarterback last year that gave 110 receptions to Christian McCaffrey. Will Antonio Gibson all of a sudden be getting five, six receptions a game? That'll be interesting to watch, and I hope so. I really do, because then my projections for him before the season started will be coming to fruition, and you know all my Gibson shares will be paying off massively. And he's already been really good to this point. Will the Rams running backs be bad enough to swing open the door for Cam Akers? If they have another bad showing, both of them, the door is wide open for Cam Akers to take over. Will Fitzpatrick get benched this week versus the 49ers? Damian Harris, how is his workload if Cam Newton comes back? Both of those last two things are things we kind of touched on already. The Colts versus Browns, who has the more successful run game? 
because I think whoever has the more successful run game in this matchup is going to be the team that wins. How does Dearness Johnson for the Browns look with Nick Chubb out? Will Dallas, their defense, finally, finally not be a train wreck versus the Giants? The Giants' offense is not one that scares defenses very much. So if the Giants are dropping four touchdowns on this defense, Dallas has a big problem. And lastly, how does Justin Herbert perform versus the Saints this week and Joshua Kelly versus Justin Jackson? Which one of them is the guy to own while Eckler is out? Which he could be out, it says between four to six weeks. Then I see other reports six to eight weeks. You know, six weeks is probably the safest bet because then they have a week 10 bye, so they probably want to make it to the bye. And that would work out nicely for them. And then they could also like give him more rest during the, well, He's going to be resting the whole time, actually. So retract that last part. But yeah, the bye week would be perfect for them to, you know, let him get an extra week that's not hurting them in terms of missing a game, having him miss a game. So I think six weeks is probably the best place to put it. But for me, I'm going to be more like cautious and put it on the six to eight week side than the four to six, especially if they continue to lose games and they have no reason like if you know in four weeks from now or five weeks from now they have a horrible record and they have no chance of making the playoffs then Austin Eckler's probably they're probably going to let him rest until he's absolutely 100% so Kelly versus Jackson that's important to see because whoever is the guy to own there if one does ascend over the other is going to be relevant for a while and I have a sneaky feeling it's not Joshua Kelly with that said that wraps up the podcast to this point Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient with me on Tuesday's podcast not coming through. I really appreciate everything you guys do for me, for leaving me ratings. And please drop some reviews if you haven't, or a review, and reach out to your friends. Tell them, you know, hey, my boy Brandon over here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, he's got some good content, and he's trying to grow. So you should check him out, because that means the world to me. With all that said, have a good one, guys. Good luck this week. Let's all root together, unless you're a Chicago Bears fan, let's all root together for your boys team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to pull out a win tonight. Remember my prediction, this Thursday night is a Bucks win, 20-13. to 13. All right, with that said, that wraps it up. Have a good week, guys. Enjoy football. Enjoy work. Enjoy your family, your friends. Enjoy everything, because life is short. Peace.